This is an ABC podcast. There's a lot to admire, isn't there? Mm -hmm. With slugs? Oh, yeah. Like, I think they're an under-admired creature. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I kind of think they're cute, but that's... You know, they got the little tentacles that stick out. I think that's kind of cute. I mean, that's a little unusual. <laughs> I'm Dr. Ann Jones and I'm stuck. Figuratively. I've gone down a wormhole all about adhesion and stickiness in nature. And the more I find out, the more I realise I need to find out more. And that is the whole show in a nutshell. This is what the duck. And in this episode, the duck becomes unstuck. I'm Andrew Smith at Ithaca College. I'm a biology professor, and my research area is in biomechanics, biological adhesives. Finally, someone I can ask about snail trails. Yeah, well, that's mucus. Mucus is a little poorly defined. It, it means kind of really just means goop. So any kind of goop that comes off the skin would be probably called a mucus. Technically, viscoelastic is the word we use. But that means that it flows, but it has a little bit of solid character. So it kind of flows between the foot and the surface. The foot here being the bottom bit of a slug, the bit that makes contact with your driveway. But if you try to pull it away, it has a little bit of solid character. So that viscoelastic nature is fairly important. And that gives them some stickiness. So all slugs and snails have that stickiness. And then they can modify that basic mucus in different ways. So how is it that they actually produce that and release it into the wide world? Well, for a lot of the snails and slugs, you'll have uh, the skin has got a layer of, of cells that secrete the mucus, lots and lots of cells, just like the lining of your gut or the lining of your nose or whatever. It is the same thing. It has a lot of cells that produce mucus and they release this slime. The one that I'm interested in, it produces tons of the mucus. So, you know, several percent of its body mass all at once. So it's literally, I mean, it flows off the animal and sometimes from little puddles around it. Mm-mm, mucus puddles. What a creature to spend years studying. And while I thought that the slug slime would all be about lubrication, you know, making their own little slip and slide everywhere they go, it turns out that slugs are putting slimy trails down for entirely different reasons. You know, there, there's just a lot of different ways you can use a mucus. Get that on a t-shirt, stat. And sometimes they're using it to make it a little sticky that they can crawl along. And sometimes they produce huge amounts of really slippery stuff that's protective. The protective stuff is often very slippery. If they get stuff on their skin, they, they can shed it fairly quickly by just pouring off the mucus. Just the way, you know, that's when we cough, it's the same thing. If you get little particles and things in your throat and you're coughing, it's getting trapped in the mucus and you're just getting rid of it. It is very slippery. It's such a cool mechanism, and it explains the parts of your body that have mucus. These are often sensitive parts, just like the soft and pliable foot of a slug or snail. The icky mucus stuff is used so that things can be carried off the surface rather than dig in and cause damage. But, I mean, that slug that Andrew mentioned makes a whole pool full of mucus. That's a bit much. So it's Arion subfuscus. It's called the dusky slug. And it's pretty orange. I mean, that's kind of the defining characteristic. It's fairly orange. You see an animal that's coloured like that, it, it means it's got some kind of defence. Don't mess with it. And the dusky slug isn't lying. This one is fairly unique. It has a defensive secretion. It just starts oozing goop all over itself. I mean, at the back of the slug, it's covered with this. It comes off as kind of a syrupy viscous. It sets 
Within seconds. It's not found in Australia, this one, but it is all around Ithaca in the USA, where Andrew lives, and where one of them is probably leading a puddle of defensive mucus somewhere right now. Uh, this is crazy. I, I moved to Ithaca. Literally the first week, I was sitting on my back porch, and I saw one of these orange slugs, and it's like, wow, this is a fairly big slug, and it's just crawling around next to the deck. Keeping in mind, he's a sort of slug guy. So I reached out and grabbed it, because, I don't know, <laughs> what I do. Yep, definitely a slug guy. And it just started oozing this goop on me and it got this orange stuff all over my fingers. And like, wow, and I put my fingers together and they stuck together. I mean, you can pull them apart. It's not like you can't pull them apart, but like, wow, that's really sticky. Well, I take that back. He's a glue guy. For me, you know, I had been studying glues and biomaterials for a while. So I knew instantly, it's like, wow, this is incredible stuff. I think most people would just say, oh, that's disgusting. And they don't want any part of it. And they'd throw the slug away and they'd try to clean it. And it's hard to clean. You know, you, you wash and scrub. Um, it doesn't come off. I think the best way I've found is uh, to let it dry down and then try to scrape it off. Uh, people have told me, and this makes good sense, a lot of salt will get that stuff to fall off. But anyways, you know, it gets all over your skin and then you've got orange gel covering your skin. And again, most people would say it's disgusting, but to me, it, it instantly said, wow, this is sticky. It's flexible and it's a gel. This is interesting. If we could copy this, it would be very useful. Now, Andrew Smith over in Ithaca isn't the first person to notice that there's sticky stuff in nature. Far from it. In fact, in Depression-era America, there was a whole get-rich scheme based around breeding up bullfrogs to, number one, can their legs, and, number two, turn their skin into glue. And think about it, rabbit skin glue, fish gelatin glue, we've been boiling animals down to use their corpses to stick stuff together for thousands of years. But what Andrew is talking about is an animal that produces its own glue. And there's one of them in Australia too. Not a slug, but a frog. And the man behind it all is the late Professor Michael J. Tyler. Now, I first came to know Mike Tyler's work in 2005, when he won an Ig Nobel Prize. ...for biology for its work on frog sniffing. Yes, for frog sniffing. The award recognises projects that sound crazy, but actually have the potential to advance science. In his research, Mike had noticed that frogs in distress have different smells. For example, there's a peanut odour, there's cashew nuts. That's Mike Tyler's there's voice. There's chocolate, there's mint, there's mown grass. Um, <laughs> there's one that smells absolutely foul, like a rotting, a rotting um, a rat or something of that kind. This is um, a peanut. Well, why don't you try it yourself? It smells a lot more like popcorn to me. You eat funny-tasting popcorn, that's for sure. And he went on to try to classify the smells, what they're made of and what they could be used for. The result was that we found this totally new mosquito repellent. Mike Tyler, a.k.a. the Frogman, died in 2020. But he had been married to his wife, Ella, for 60 years and she knows all about his research. No doubt, because there is a rule which states that whenever there's a herpetologist in the family, it means the whole family is required by law to learn about frogs. It's quite strange when we, after we married in Sydney, we travelled through the mountains and went to Mount Kosciuszko on our back, back, back to South Australia. And one night in the hotel room, um, we saw a frog up on the wall, quite high up. 
And he looked at it, and <laughs> it was a frog that is never seen in that area and uh, was, was really quite rare. They thought it was actually becoming extinct. So he was so excited. So in the middle of the night, there we were moving furniture to, to capture this frog, to bring it back to South Australia and to the, to the register in the South Australian Museum to prove it wasn't extinct. <laughs> but I, oh, I don't think it happens to anyone else. <laughs> Case in point, even the honeymoon was a frogging expedition. Now, Mike was big on fieldwork right throughout his career and it was on one of those trips that he discovered something unusual. The frog glue was a sudden discovery, quite unexpected. At one stage, Mike was up in the tropics and he found that whenever he picked up this frog, it stuck to him and he found it was a bit like super glue that you couldn't get it off just by washing. In fact, if you washed it with him harder. So he looked into it and the more he looked into it, the more he found it had very special properties. The frog in question was the Holy Cross frog, the crucifix frog. It's a tiny ball of a frog, literally a ball. Tiny legs, frowny face, covered in spots of yellow and brownish blacks and reds. And those spots form a pattern of a cross across its back. He was very excited. At first people, laughed. They didn't actually believe him. They thought it was uh, a con. Unfortunately, he had a, a mad sense of humour and so it was difficult for people to know whether he was serious or not. And it just sounded so far-fetched. You're not half wrong, Ella. Mike was known for his wonderful stories. But this was serious. Mike was in the bush and covered in sticky frog stuff. But he had a very inquiring mind. So instead of saying, oh, this is a nuisance, oh, this has messed up my hands, he immediately started wondering why and what it was and had a look at it. So it was a very exciting development. Another frog group known for its glue is the Breviceps genus from Southern Africa. This is sometimes called the rubber frog. And these little fellas are far from slim. They're so rotund that they actually can't assume the more common manner of bonking that frogs do, which is sort of where a male does a tight bear hug of a female from behind. They're so globular that their arms will not reach round. In response to this issue, the frog has apparently evolved to secrete a glue and they stick themselves to each other. And the frogs in Australia that Mike Tyler said had glue-like secretions are actually some of our chunky boys. But Mike noticed that these frogs became sticky when they were distressed. he thought it would be an ideal product for use in surgery. So he spoke to some surgical friends and they started testing major tests on sheep at St George Hospital in Sydney. At the head of those tests was George Murrell, who is now the Director of Orthopaedic Research Institute and a professor at the University of New South Wales. And look, it's not often that I get to interview someone who's wearing a tie, so he must be powerful. So Mike had found this frog that is native to northern parts of Australia and has a bit of a cross on its back. When you, this frog is stimulated, I gather usually in, in the wild by ants that climb on its back, it releases this substance that sticks the ants' jaws together uh, and then after a while it reaches back and, and gobbles up the ants. Wait, 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 wait. So is this glue a defence mechanism against irritation? And if it is, I need it. But actually, what I think the Holy Cross frog does is stick any marauding ants or gnats to its back, but it doesn't actually reach around to eat them. For a start, the thing is literally shaped like a golf ball. I don't know that it can turn its neck around like that. But 
all frogs shed their skin periodically. They need their skin to be soft and porous so they get rid of the old stuff and grow new ones. But instead of doing a snake and leaving their skin behind to scare someone or doing what you do, leaving little flakes of skin everywhere, the frogs are completely reuse, recycle. They eat their whole skin. They slide it off, push it into their mouth. And in the case of the crucifix frog, they'd eat anything that stuck to their glued bits too. Extra snacks. But of course, once Mike got it all over his hand and realised it was insanely sticky, he started to test it on things that he found out in the field. He started wanting to find out how strong it was. And so he looked at some soft drink cans, which have a very, very fine rim on the top. He just rubbed a bit of the glue on this fine rim, put another can on top and it stuck. So after that, he just went mad looking different cans of different weights going heavier and heavier and heavier. That's why the beer cans. And Mike had done his initial studies on beer cans. <laughs> it, it stimulated these frogs to release this glue and was able to stick two beer cans together. Uh, and he found they just stuck and couldn't be separated. It's just amazing. <laughs> I notice as well in the published photos of the beer can experiments that Mike was gluing the bottoms of two full beer cans together so they could still be drunk afterwards. We really don't have and still don't have any good surgical glues. It would be lovely to have something they could use. This had a great potential advantage in the sense that it could set up in an aqueous environment, in a water environment, which, you know, a lot of our stuff is done arthroscopically. So uh, it would be wonderful to have a glue that you could put in arthroscopically and have it set up. Uh, so it and had a lot of really good potential properties for use. A junior colleague at the time, Zoltan Zomor, and I uh, did this study on sheep knees. And what we did was create an artificial tear of the meniscus in the knee. So the meniscus is a shock absorber in the knee, commonly injured in football players, all sorts of sports people. And what he did was glue the meniscus back together again using the glue and then tested how strong it was. And it was strong, as was Mike's sense of humour. When he went to St George Hospital and they operated on the sheep... Mike used to come in with his paddle pop sticks. He'd just wipe the secretion off the frog and dab it onto the defect in the uh, meniscus and then the surgeon would repair it. And while the surgeon was head down doing that, Mike was sticking the paddle pops on the ceiling. And then it, it took some time before somebody looked up and realised the ceiling was covered with these little paddle pop sticks which were stuck there, but they were just waving in the air conditioning. <laughs> and, yeah, they then had a bit of a job getting them down, I gather. <laughs> Mike wrote that one of the wooden applicators oscillated in front of an air conditioner at the hospital for several years, moving millions of times and showing how flexible the glue actually was. But back to the sheep's knee. Did it actually work? And indeed, the glue was very effective at repairing the meniscus in a sort of a, a dead meniscus situation, not in a live situation. Right, so you had sort of a, a dismembered bit of sheep that you were doing the tests on. I mean, did you ever move it forward to actually try it on a live uh, animal? No, we, we never got to that point, no. What, was there a reason? Was there a problem with the glue? To bring it to human use, there's several issues. Uh, one is sterility, of course. How do you sterilise something like this? Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's feasible. <laughs> Um, so in an ideal world, we'd like to have an artificial version of it. And mm. Mike um, worked hard with CSIRO and had a number of 
meetings with various individuals uh, and, and I think to cut a long story short we just weren't able to do it. There's also the fact that the frogs which um, provided the glue were stimulated with electrodes in order to produce it. And Mike did patent a glue along with some colleagues but at this stage it just never stuck. Excuse the pun. Apparently, the glue of choice in medical settings is literal superglue. So if a better alternative can be developed, you can imagine it'd have quite an impact. Remember Andrew Smith from Ithaca and his sticky slug? Wow, this is sticky, it's flexible, and it's a gel. This is interesting. If we could copy this, it would be very useful. To copy the master, you must first study the master. And in the case of this defensive mucus, that means Andrew takes apart its biochemistry and tries to figure out what role they're playing. It it involves a lot of branches of science. So you're looking at, oh, it's got some polysaccharides, it's got some proteins, and these are often form long, long chains that tangle up like a plate of spaghetti. So you have to figure out what's in it. Turns out there's metal ions too, and they play a big role. And then once you find out what's in it, you have to find out what each of the parts is doing. Yeah, if I think that the calcium ions are important, I take calcium out and see if the glue is still sticky, if it's still tough. If I think the proteins are important, I break the proteins and see if the glue still does what it does. And that's been very useful. Andrew also has to figure out the biomechanical properties of this substance. The stick your fingers in it test isn't quite rigorous enough. A lot of what we call biomechanics. So I take the glue is, I get enough of the glue and it's solid enough after it sets, it's kind of rubbery. I can cut strips of it and stretch it and measure the mechanical properties and then do different treatments and see what affects the mechanical properties. So, okay, okay. So what are the mechanical properties of this glue? How good is it? (laughs) Oh, so uh, roughly speaking, I think in terms of stiffness, it's kind of like a hard boiled egg. So that kind of stiffness, except that you can stretch it to about five times its original length before it breaks. That's insane. (laughs) Yeah, and it's very sticky. So we have stickiness and stretchiness here. There's a lot going on. Stickiness and toughness are different. Probably the thing that's so special about this is the toughness. And when I say toughness, that's a material word. And that means that it's stiff, but also you have to stretch it a lot. So it takes a lot of work to break. So something like glass is fairly stiff, but it breaks kind of easily. And uh, mucus generally is very stretchy, but it's not very stiff. But if you had something that was stiff, again, like a you know, hard-boiled egg, and stretched, and you had to stretch it to five times its length, then it takes a lot more work to break. Like a hard-boiled egg doesn't take much work to break because it doesn't stretch at all. This slug-produced glue is next level, sticky as anything, but also pliable and stretchy at the same time. This is a rare combination. So the thing that does that is the combination of two networks. And I've tried to think of a good way to describe this. It's called a double network hydrogel. And that's a, you know, it's a, it was recently discovered in about, well, in the 90s, somebody discovered that you could make a gel really tough by combining two networks. And it turns out the slugs do this. Slugs did it first. And this was the first demonstration of biological material that was a double network. But what a double network is, is you have cross-linked proteins. So imagine like spider webs, very dense interconnected spider webs. All the threads are crisscrossing, connecting and fairly stiff. They'll stretch a bit. But then weaving in between that are maybe rubber bands 
or something that's very extensible. So you start breaking the stiff network, but you still haven't broken the material because you keep having to stretch the other stuff. And you keep stretching the other stuff. And the other stuff isn't providing much stiffness, but you have to eventually break it. And you keep stretching and stretching. And as you stretch, you keep having to break up more and more of the spider web. So instead of just a crack going right through the material, what happens is you keep stretching and tearing apart the cobweb and tearing apart the cobweb and tearing. And you keep having to tear apart more and more of these cobwebs that are crisscrossing everywhere. That's what it is. It's a combination of one network that's very, very stretchy and one network that's stiff working together. All right, so this slug produces this phenomenal orange glue, but why? Why would you bother? Imagine you're a, you know, a mouse that, that just got a mouthful of this glue, and it's hard to open your mouth because the glue is fairly stiff, and you stretch and stretch, and, and you can open your mouth, open your mouth, but you still haven't broken the glue. Mm. And that's exactly how you said. That's, that's why it's so hard to break, is you pull on it, and it's giving, and it's giving, and it's giving, but it's not breaking, and it takes a lot of energy just to get it to that. And it's fairly elastic, too, so as soon as you let go, it kind of, it'll snap back to its original stretch and then you have to stretch it again. So yeah, that would make a very effective deterrent. It sort of sounds like the stuff of nightmares. Like I'm imagining it in horror movies and stuff. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Being covered in, you know, like as if like a plant is secreted about to digest you with this amazingly sticky, goopy stuff. But what do you think about when you think of this? Like what are the potential applications yeah, the big one is medical. I mean, you can imagine a glue that would stick to just about anything. It sticks to wet surfaces, it's compatible with wet surfaces, and it bends and flexes. And it's got very similar mechanical properties to the skin. So uh, if you could mimic this and make a glue that sticks anywhere on the body and, and can bend and flex without breaking and can set quickly so you could put it in and have it solidify really quickly wherever it is, that would be incredible. That would be incredible. And that's really our goal is to make something that you could use ultimately to replace sutures. You know, sutures aren't great. Sutures, you know, you have to cut holes in the skin. The holes create a little bit of tearing and scarring. It's a place where infection can occur. It takes time to make sutures. If you had something that you could just squeeze into a wound, slap it shut and have it set and then have a perfect seal, that would be incredible. So that's really what we're up to. That's what we're after. Okay, probably stupid question. Why can't you just use the goop from the slug directly? It's a great question, and there's a couple answers. One is farming the slugs at an industrial scale just isn't feasible. You, you, (laughs) You can't do that. The biggest reason is you collect the glue, and it sets, and then then it's not sticky anymore, right? So it's like any glue. Once the glue is used and it's holding things together, you can't take it and collect it and use it for something else. It's already done its job. So those are the two things. The other thing is it's probably got some toxic compounds in it. It's a defensive secretion. Yeah, the slug wasn't lying when it was orange as a warning colour. It's not just gluing things together. It probably has something a little unpleasant. The, the thing that I've always heard is that if you lick one of these slugs, and I don't know why you would ever do that, but if you would lick one of these slugs, it'll make your tongue go numb. And this has been verified. One of my students actually did it. I told them not to. I tell your listeners not to do it because it's got to be toxic. But, uh, but yeah, it will make your tongue go numb. So that's, you know, and who, who knows what else is in it? So you really don't want to take a slug and rub it across that wound and stick it shut. That would be a bad idea. Mm. Slug wouldn't like it either, I imagine. But if we can make something that works the same way, cheaply, and an industrial scale, without any nasty chemicals... Uh, that would be good.
What the Duck is an ABC Science production presented and produced by me, Anne Jones, with the help of Patria Ladgrove and script editing by Joel Werner. This program was made mostly on the lands of the Wadawurrung and Ghana people. Winning the Ig Nobel Prize has given Adelaide's frog lover even more international attention for his work. Mike Tyler says a frog's back is like a pharmaceutical laboratory and his studies have led to new antibiotics. He even has a provisional world patent on a glue that's found in this frog's skin. It's so strong it'll stick cartilage together. So we're very hopeful that this compound, when it's been at a state where it, where it can be manufactured because no one's going to be wandering around with frogs for uh, surgical purposes. Uh, when it can be manufactured, we're very hopeful that this extremely strong glue is going to provide, provide surgeons with a totally new tool. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.